I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Magda Khalifa, US Army veteran, author, speaker and entrepreneur. When you do things that make you uncomfortable, you grow from it and you find yourself and knowing yourself is everything, you know, just like Sun Tzu, you know, said, you know, know the enemy, but you have to know yourself too. Following 9-11, Manta joined the U.S. Army, leaving her family, corporate job, and husband behind. And I believe at that point, my being a female got under their skin because I was like, let's go, let's go. You know, I was kind of driving forth, you know, like we should be out there, you know, volunteering, if you will, for the units that we supported to go out and support them when they needed more people. So they didn't like that. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to even be there. So that being said, it, it did, you know, cause friction and definitely um, cause challenges for me. And, you know, and I, I talk about it in my book, like some of like the uh, <laughs> the mindset of some of the folks, shouldn't you be home with your husband? I'm still married at the time, uh, having babies. We find out from Magda what it takes for a woman to fight for her country and how she's turned her life around and what advice she gives people to help overcome their own struggles. I'm really looking forward to getting into your story and I'm, I've read so much about you and I've been wanting to get you on my show for a while. Um, as much as anything as a woman, as a, as a female that, that, that's been in the combat zone, um, to me that means so, so much. But before we get started on your journey, can you tell my audience who you are and what you do now? Yes, Sonia. So I uh, grew up in the New York City area. My parents were immigrants from Egypt and Colombia. They came over to the United States in the late 60s, and I was their firstborn. So I grew up, had a very, very, um, I think, a good childhood. Uh, you know, we were surrounded by the best city on earth, lots of opportunity, um, lots of diversity, just a lot going on. And I, uh, I married young. <laughs> I married at 20, um, as soon as I graduated college, uh, you know, got married and, uh, you know, started a career in actually working in Wall Street as a recruiter for information technology, uh, computer professionals. And this was 1995. So from there, how did you get to the point um, which is really what I, I like to look at, to you joining the military. Because so, had, it sounds like you had a wonderful life, very comfortable life, to go from that to serving in the U.S. Army. So so we, we did. We had a comfortable life. Um, I, I don't know, we were middle class, you know, whatnot, but, but life was good. We were both employed. Uh, we had money to do things. And one day we woke up, uh, I was married at the time, you know, we woke up and we saw what happened uh, first on TV. A plane had hit the World Trade Center, the first plane. Well, here's the thing. Um, my husband had an office in the World Trade Center. He worked for a company called Aon. They were on the 101st floor. So, he mobilized, he wasn't in that particular, like he would go between three different locations. So he wasn't in New York City that day. So things moved very quickly. And as we, all those of us who studied history or were around at that time, we, we knew how quickly things happened. Um, the second attack 
came in. And uh, I have to say, it was a very, very shocking time. How long was it from that point, you witnessing all that, to you deciding to go and, and join up? So I, I went through the shock period initially. Um, you know, I mean, there was so much going on. My my family member, I had family members who were in the city, and like we lost cell phone communications with them. This was 2001. You know, we didn't have as many towers all over the place, and there were towers on top of the World Trade Center. So we lost communications with them. Thankfully, they all managed to get out of the city over the course of the next 24 hours. So um, it was shock. It was reaction um initially you know and then learning that we were under attack learning bin laden was behind this and everything so it was a few weeks of that shock and reaction but anger you know it converted to anger very quickly and um you know when i realized i couldn't do anything be of use for the efforts to you know rescue i realized i need to do something about it and um i enlisted six months after uh, September 11th. And reason being is, you know, I needed to find the, you, you know, I mean, some people do walk into the recruiter's office and take the first job that they can get, but I didn't want to sit behind a desk. I wanted to go to the war effort, like put me to use, like I'm leaving everything behind for a reason, like I'm intentional about it, you know, so I had to find the right recruiter that had, um, it, it turned out to be, you know, a position in, in uh, the Special Operations Command. It was the only reserve position in Special Operations Command, um, we call it civil affairs. So from what he explained, you deploy in peacetime, wartime, you would be gainfully employed. So that motivated me because, you know, again, to leave everything behind, I, I wanted to be sure that I would be outside the wire as, as the quote, you know, goes, um, meaning like in the action doing whatever I could do. So, uh, so it was in March of 2002 that I formally enlisted. But the first date they could get me um, my basic training was in October. But that uh, gave me time to get my affairs in order, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I was ready to go. So I entered, you know, training in October, was, uh, went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and then to North Carolina, Fort Bragg, North Carolina for my specialized training. And then from there, waited for the, well, I, was, I didn't sit and wait. I, I went back to my home unit in Staten Island, New York. And I said, when is the you know, next rotation going to, to Iraq or well, to Afghanistan or Iraq? And you know, it turned out that they had um, an Iraq deployment coming up. So that was with the unit in- Because I find this fascinating. It, the, where did your drive and that warrior spirit come, come from? I mean, it's one thing, you know, I, I, I watch films and I, and I get this sort of fight, I want to fight and I've got, I've got a warrior in me and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people see atrocities and, and they want to do something about it, but nine times out of 10, they don't do anything about it. They'll sit there and they'll think about it and they'll want to do something about it, but they never take action. But I'm, try I'm trying to understand, you actually took action and went and signed up. Did you always have that inner drive, that determination to sort of fight? Yeah, well, so I think I've always been a person who had to take action to, I'll say the word survive. So, um, you know, I, I wrote about it in my book, I was, you know, picked on as a, a child at school, bullied is the term, you know. So, 
you know, when you don't have anybody there is from such a young age, having your back, you have a choice. You can be the victim or you can own it and search forth. And you kind of develop that, that like, Hey, I'm in control. Or if I'm going to have any impact on the outcome, I have to do something, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I'm sure that was part of it that, you know, and then also living in an environment, um, the North Jersey area, you know, North Jersey was like, you know, the sixth borough of New York city, you know, uh, it's very competitive. It's, uh, you know, you, you get run over if you don't get out of the way. So you want to move faster. And that was just the environment. And I'm very grateful for having grown up in that environment because, um, you know, I, I think it kind of set the tone for me to be an action taker. I, I believe that's where it came from. That, and then also to my upbringing, you know, my parents, two very different cultures, Egypt and uh, Colombia, you know, coming over in their late 30, or well, actually around 30, 30s, I guess, uh, 30, 31 or so, um, when they came over. So they, I mean, they were go-getters in their own right. And, you know, my father was educated. Uh, so he came over and he was a male, you know, in the late sixties, my mom was, grew up very poor and she didn't have the education. And so, and she was a female, so she had her own challenges, you know, coming over. So just seeing the example of both of them, you know, they're very similar in many ways. They just wanted a better life and they wanted a better life for their kids. And dad would always tell us, he's like, you are blessed to be born in this country, you know, land of the free, you know, home of the brave and land of opportunity. And I remember hearing those things and it just kind of set the bar for going forth and never just feeling comfortable and settled and relaxed, you know? So I think just the combination where I grew up and having, you know, like in my household, how, you know, the examples that I had, the leadership my parents set forth um, as well. I think all of that just kind of helped form who I was and then experiences I had. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm, I'm, I stand very tall at uh, 60 inches. So <laughs> I'm making a joke, but um, the thing is I never looked at myself as small or short or, you know, having it, you know, but then at the same point, I would always put myself in rooms, if you will, you know, um, like even with the military, you know, uh, the majority of the military is not five foot tall. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and the majority of the, the military, it's certainly not in, in the UK, and, and I guess it might be slightly different in the US. The majority of them are men. And look, I'm looking at a very beautiful, stylish, glamorous woman. It doesn't bring, a, you know, the stereotype is not army gear, you with a gun in your hand. Now, I don't believe in stereotypes anyway. Um, what I've learned from you is, is you're very driven anyway. But what was it like being a woman in a, in a combat zone? Did, did you find that difficult in itself? Well, well, you know, so I, you know, it's face that point. Like I never um, looked at myself as different. <laughs> and maybe I had to work a little harder, you know, physically to keep up with the guys, but I remember when we were training right before we went to war the first time, keeping up and leading some of them because I was so committed, you know, even though they were bigger and stronger and had longer lives than this, it, it didn't matter. You know, like I just wanted to be the best soldier I could be, you know? Well, so this is where it, it, it presented a challenge um, more so on my second tour um, by that point. So I went over in 2004 
and then uh, came back for about a year and said, send me again. And I went over in uh, 2006 for another year. And um, again, I wasn't with my organic home unit. I was with uh, another unit, you know, who didn't know me. I wasn't one of theirs, so to speak. You know? And um, at that point in the war, you know, it was right pre-surge. So they were pulling people that did not want to be there. We have something called IRR, uh, Individual Ready Reserve. So a lot of the the leaders, the officers were being plucked out of their civilian, um, you know, lives essentially and said, hey, your number's up, go. And a lot of them did not want to be there. A lot of them were outstanding leaders, but, you know, unfortunately I, I converged with some who were not. And, you know, and that's the reality. That's everywhere, everywhere. And that's timeless, you know. So that presented a challenge. And I believe at that point, my being a female got under their skin because I was like, let's go, let's go. You know, I was kind of driving forth, you know, like we should be out there, you know, volunteering, if you will, for the units that we supported to go out and support them when they needed more people and stuff. They didn't like that. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to even be there. So that being said, it, it did, you know, cause friction and definitely um, cause challenges for me. And, you know, and I, I talk about it in my book, like some of like, the uh, <laughs> the mindset of some of the folks, shouldn't you be home with your husband? I was still married at the time, um, having babies. Like, really, dude? Like, we're in like 2006. Yeah, I'm like, I, I just didn't understand that. I'm like- And how did that make you feel? I mean- I, I, I didn't understand it. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, uh, we were just attacked. Like, there should be more people here who wanna be here to fight and defend our freedoms and, you know, um, you know, it, it, I, I just didn't understand that because I didn't grow up with that whole, oh, you're a woman, therefore, you know, you have to go this lane and I, I didn't grow up with that. You know, I was always empowered. Um, you know, like that was, that was how I was, uh, I was raised. So to hear that, you know, to have that culture clash. And again, it wasn't with anyone because I worked with outstanding soldiers who just looked at me, I'm a soldier. That's my job, showed up. You know, I mean, that's what it was. So like, let's roll, let's do this mission. But it was, um, it was something like that just came out of nowhere. And, um, you know, it, it presented challenges for sure, especially when some of those folks were your leadership, you know. And I learned, obviously, I know now in life that when people throw heat your way, it's a reflection of themselves. And, you know, I learned that, um, you know, I'm a very strong woman, I've always been a very strong woman. Um, and that, you know, people either love you or hate you, you know? So you roll with now, you know, obviously when you're in the military, you get what you get. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it's shaped my direction in life, you know? But I was always attracted to be around um, something that's cutting edge, bleeding edge, whatever the case is, like, you know, with IT information technology. I mean, that was, you know, in the nineties, that was blossoming. And, and had another man's world, right? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, I um, hired, you know, somebody from another department to come into our department because uh, he was in a different part of technology and he, he was great. I'm like, come on over. You'll love this. You'll grow. You'll develop yourself and everything. He was so excited. And as soon as he got in there, he hated and resented the fact that his boss was me, a female. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I'm the one who gave you this opportunity, you know? And he, you know, caused a lot of drama in the office. But again, I realized I'm a magnet for these, you know, insecure men. I don't get it, you know? So like, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know? It's like when you don't see it coming, you're like, really, I have to deal with this? Like, instead of dealing on like big issues where you can make an impact, you know, you have to 
deal with that. But at this point, like, it's so funny. Like I could just, whenever I meet someone, I could just tell right away, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the balance of whatever relationship, be a professional or a personal, whatever the case is, because I know who I am and I've been tested and proven so many times over life, but I wouldn't have done that if I didn't seek to improve myself, seek to get out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, find resilience and strength and tenacity within myself, my core self, going back to when I was a nine-year-old little girl on the concrete playground, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. So it's just kind of, you know, we're the um, accumulation of our experiences. I'm smiling because you're going back to the little girl in the playground. And, and I believe that's where it all starts really. Um, we can take our lives back to our childhood and, and that forms the voids that we have today and the strengths begin from there. Um, Magda, going back to the end of your tour, you, you'd finished in Iraq on the, the second tour. What was the tipping point after you left the military um, that you knew that something was up, that you knew something was wrong inside? I'm sorry that I that I that, that you felt something was wrong. You left the military on this after your second tour, and you got back home. Sure. So it, you know, it was um, anytime someone's in a vacuum environment. I've never been in prison, but I would imagine being in prison for you know many years, and then you know being let out into a civilian environment. It's a vacuum. You know, you go from a very controlled environment. Um, sure, lots of threats there, but it's still a vacuum from society at large. Uh, so in our case, uh, deployment, you know, you're there, um, you know, your survival mode is, is totally different um, than what you experience coming back to the civilian world. So uh, anytime you come from that environment or transition over, there are going to be challenges <laughs> for sure. So, uh, you know, at the time, 2007, there really wasn't much guidance or resource for how to properly transition out. Uh, so, <laughs> like we, so, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a lot of um, UK veterans um, <laughs> and, and look, I've never served, but I've got a great affinity with people that have, and I interview a lot of veterans. Um, and here in the UK, we, as far as I can see, and I've spoken to veterans, we don't get, a, certainly back in the day, they don't get a lot of help at all. And there's a body that's set up, but you, you've sort of given the basics and then there you go, fend for yourself sort of thing. Exactly. Um, well, if you look at the mission of, of the DOD, it's to fight wars and you're no longer useful when you're exiting, you know, so they're going to do the minimum, check the box. Okay, peace out, later. <laughs> so they not even check, I mean, look, you, you, you've been through not only you know, physical um, struggles, but mental, mentally, it's got to have affected you as well. Do yeah. I not sort of help you in that respect? I, I don't know what they're doing now, but I know in 2007, there was none of that. You know, it was, um, you know, go connect with the VA and like, that's that, you know, like that. That's What's the VA? Just, uh, better, I'm sorry, Veterans Administration. That's um, for the, you know, and all, I thought, Hey, I've got my arms, my legs, my vision. I wasn't burned. I'm physically fine. I thought I'm physically fine. I thought, so I, you know, I just moved on to like, what am I going to do next? You know? So, um, so yeah, there was no guidance at the time. Um, so like many vets coming back, at least back then, you know, I, I had a lot of issues to sort through. I needed to deflate, you know, because just a few weeks prior, 
it was peak of the surge and we were, you know, going out on missions and, you know, in where the enemy was all over the place and, and fighting and losing men left and right, men and women, but, you know, I say men, you know, soldiers and, um, and it was intense, you know, and I remember, um, I think it was a couple days into that one week of processing that we had back at Fort Bragg before we exited. Uh, I remember being in a trailer, looking up at the television and seeing that uh, uh, two VBIDs uh, dump trucks with explosives had come into an area and they identified the general area and, and killed numerous US soldiers. Well, I knew the area because that's just where we were. And um, that's the, the greater unit we were attached to. So you're all out of sorts. At that point, you're like, wait a minute, you know, you didn't want to come back, but you don't control the day you come back. It's not like, you know, I'd like to stay a few more days, you know, like that's just not how the military yeah. works. So, but, but it was, you know, that, that's, that's terrible. You know, you're like, those are the people we were just serving with, you know, and then did you lose anyone that was, that was close to you? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, they literally were the same unit. So, so there was that. And then communications was any, any time, you know, uh, we had KIA killed in action, their communications lines went down. Now, granted, this was 2007, like people weren't deploying with cell phones. Like, I don't know, I think they do today. I don't know. But like, so I was cut off from my friends who were there, who were, you know, so I, I, I didn't know the exact names of who it was, but it, it, I mean, it was just, it was very uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. It was, it was hard, you know, and I'm like, you felt, you felt like you left them behind, even though it wasn't your choice, you know, yeah. um, you should have been there with them. Or, you know, and then later on, you had the guilt of like, why did I make it back? I could have been on that mission, but I wasn't, you know? So those were things that it took years for me to work through. Thankfully, I have worked through all that. Like I have context and contrast to be able to understand life and experiences and how you push through and how we're all going to go through things, but you don't want to let it hold you back from becoming the best version of yourself, you know? So, um, so I've grown a lot. I've evolved a lot and have found a way to share my struggles with others and share the solutions and the success path I took to push forth. How did and, you? How, how did you turn your life around? What, what, what sort of? First of all, what was your low point? Did Did you recognize that there was something wrong in you? Um, was it mentally? Was it physically that that you were seeing anything? It was a combination of both. Um, again, like I left, you know, Fort Bragg. Hey, I'm fine. I've got my arms, my legs, da da da. But I knew I changed and I started experiencing, you know, health issues, physical health issues, right? And then, you know, obviously realized, I, I mean, maybe I wasn't so, uh, it wasn't so uh, recognizable to me right away, but I was not the same person that I was before. I was like, I used to be a social butterfly. You know, we were married. We, you know, I alluded to that in the beginning, like we had a good social life and, and life was fun and good. And, you know, I just had a great outlook. And now I was a completely different person. Um, And I didn't understand why. I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, your experiences are going to change who you are. But it was not um, a positive experience. And I essentially lived reclusively, but functionally 
for many years. So were you married? I know you were married before. We we got divorced. Yeah, we got divorced. Um, started the process. I think it was on my second tour, but uh, when you know um, when I got back, it was finalized. So I found myself, you know, back from two years of war. Um, no family. You know, there were issues with my family as well. <laughs> but I, you know, I've forgiven them, of course, because I know I was not the same person that I was before I left. And like, nobody really understood. This was kind of like an unprecedented time in that period of time. I mean, that, you know, large scale war operations. And um, I get it, you know? Um, so there was your husband, not lost, but you, you divorced right. your husband, <laughs> your, your family, you've got back from war and, and you're basically on your own and, and have become a bit of a recluse. Mm -hmm. 100%. I lived alone. Um, I got a, I eventually got a rented first and bought a condo in a quiet neighborhood. And I, I worked during the day as a defense contractor. So I was on a military base. I had my job to do. I was in the training department, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I could feel a little safe because I had a lot of former, uh, you know, veterans who were now working as contractors around me and we were serving the Navy. So, so that was like my safe spot. So I, I did that for a period of about five years. Um, but, but personally, you know, I was, I was, you know, existing, I was existing, but I wasn't really living, you know, and I was a shell of the person that I once was. Now, here's the thing I did not know at the time, but I learned eventually because very growth minded, you know, so found out over a period of time about the impact of nutrition on our health, um, the impact of nutrients on our health. And I started making incremental changes that started to help me to heal. So even though ah, I was still- Miles, Can you say that again? Because I'm, I'm such a great believer in what we eat, what we put in here, what we fuel our body with comes on at the outside. So it was actually, you managed to shift where you, you were through your, your nutrient, through what you were putting into your body. 100%. And I started to notice differences in how I felt, how my mind was. Uh, I started, it's like, you know, if you could picture this like a uh, little bud in, in, in uh, on the ground and then it started growing, it started sprouting its first green leaf or whatnot. Like that's what started to happen. So of course, you know, I guess I have an addictive personality and, you know, I talk about it in the book, like I had a, a space like shortly, you know, like the months after I came back from war, like a specific night, I remember like I was in so much pain um, that it's so distraught, like I had a choice to make whether I wanted to drink from the bottle or push forth and, and I did push forth and not hit the easy button, but it wasn't easy, but I, but I did it and survived. I woke up the next day without, without masking you know, um, uh, you know, the pain, like I just pushed through. And uh, so, so, you know, fast forward, I, I started learning about these nuggets. So all of a sudden I, I sunk into, or I, I dove into that world, you know, which was still very new, you know, in 2011, 2012, you know, you had the CrossFit movement start to really gain, tra gain traction. Um, you know, the paleo movement, so on and so forth. So I started learning, learning and understanding the science behind all of this, behind um, nutrition and the science of exercise as well. So I, I started creating high performance lifestyle habits in my life that helped me heal and that helped me optimize the good things I already had going for me. 
you know, so um, I chronicled a lot of that in in my um, story in my in my book, but it, it started to work. And then I started helping other veterans who I felt they were so much worse off than I was, you know, and that kind of healed my soul and gave me a little bit of a purpose. I did that as a you know a volunteer through veteran nonprofits, and um, eventually I started my own business, a service based business. Uh, because I wasn't fulfilled anymore working as a contractor because now I was coming back to life. You know, I was finally coming back to life. And like I said, it was a long journey. And, you know, um, in the past two and a half years is when I really uh, experienced that growth spurt, <laughs> pun intended, um, where, you know, which I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss uh, the different things that I'm doing now that can help others and um, while striving to become the best version of myself. But it was a journey. And, you know, I did it alone. Um, until I found others who were willing to share their knowledge and I could learn from them. And then I showed up and I started learning and that really changed things. And it's, it's still mind blowing to myself when I like take the time right now to look back where I was and to see how far I've come um, as a person, as you know, with my outlook in life, you know, and, you know, I, I, I look at this now I'm version 3.0 of Magda. You know, I had 1.0 was the thriving, uh, more cookie cutter uh, results growing up in the New York City area. Version 2.0 with the warrior, with the post-warrior issues, you know. And version 3.0 is kind of like the best of both worlds, you know. What did, um, what did, what did Magda learn about herself in this struggle? What, what if you, you put down to one thing maybe one of your characteristics that brought you through this struggle. Mm -hmm. So um, name of my book is American Dream, but DREAM, D-R-E-A-M, is an acronym for discipline, D for discipline, R for resilience, E for endurance, A for adaptability, and M for mentorship to succeed and win in life. And I think the combination of those things, those skill sets, that, that mindset, um, is what is really important to be able to survive situations and thrive without resources that you know people expect they will always have in life. You may not always have human beings there on your side or people supporting you. So you need to be able to maneuver life's adversity on your own merits, you know, on, on your own will, you have to have that will to survive to push through. And if you do, you can handle anything, you know, you become limitless and unstoppable. Now that and that, so I was just going to say there may be people watching this thinking, well, that's all very well for you to say you're a strong, independent warrior woman. But if they're looking at this, and they're maybe at the bottom of the, you know, they're at the bottom, that low point in life, what sort of things would you say to them to be able to turn their life around? Some things that are, are maybe easy things to start with. Sure. Well, the, the, nothing is going to happen. They can go through the motions, but if they haven't made that commitment to themselves, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. You know, here's the thing: not every single person in the world is going to um, have this evolution and, and this growth. It's just a fact. But if they do make that commitment first, you know, write it down, speak it into existence, okay? Doors are gonna start opening. So the first thing is to make that commitment. 
The second thing is, even if you don't believe you have a clear pathway or don't understand the entire uh, uh, context of your situation, you will always grow if you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Fact. So seek that. Find an uncomfortable situation. If you're an introvert, get in a room where you need to speak. Um, if you feel intimidated by certain types of people, be around them. Be around them. Make yourself uncomfortable. You can go through, you know, um, a physical type of endeavor that makes you uncomfortable, something you haven't done before, a challenge, you know, uh, something athletic, whatever the case is, there's so much out there, like we can all grow. No one has reached all of their lids. I mean, no one in the history of the planet, like there's always so much more. Um, we have a lot of great people, but like we can all become even greater, you know? Um, so, so that's the thing. I mean, that's, we're human beings, you know, we're not, we're imperfect, you know? Like when you do, things that make you uncomfortable, you grow from it and you find yourself and knowing yourself is everything, you know, just like Sun Tzu, you know, said, you know, know the enemy, but you have to know yourself too. And I think that's been my um, strongest um, asset in life is, I guess, from a very young age is knowing myself, because I made that choice to be a survivor and not a victim like just never did the victim. I, I love that and i absolutely go by that you know um there's no point in having a victim mentality we've all been through pain in our lives and in varying degrees for different people but we've all felt some sort of pain whether it's physical or mental um and, it, and it's how you choose to react to that pain that, that defines us right we, we all have pain but we can choose to suffer that's that's how i sort of see it and um that victim mentality is, is not going to push you forward um, in life. Um, Magdala, I, I, we could carry on talking for ages. I just want to get down a little bit down to, to your business that you're now running um, and your fragrance program and the triangle. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So uh, two, we're in 2021 mid-year, mid so a little over two years ago. Uh, by immersing myself in personal development and, um, you know, growth, I, I heard things that made sense to me. And I realized I was, I have value to help others and I needed to share my story. So all of a sudden, all that reclusivity, that story, I, I wrote a book and shared it. I shared it. So in the process of writing a book, and I'm sure you've talked to many authors, like when you're writing, especially a memoir, um, you discover things about yourself in the process. And, you know, cause I was channeling, you know, things I hadn't thought about in 40 years or, or whatnot. And, uh, I developed and codified freedom triangle. So freedom triangle is a success path based on time, freedom, health, freedom, and mind freedom. And I discussed how I discovered my freedom triangle over the course of many years. And, you know, I published the book and sent it on its way. And a few months later, I realized, you know, I'm not, not everybody reads books. So how am I going to help others really, really help others if, if I don't attract more people to learn about Freedom Triangle? So I thought, all right, you know what, you need to grow as a business person. You need to get in the product space and fragrance. Why? Men and women can buy fragrance and fragrance can be accessible worldwide. So 
the fragrance line triangle fragrance was inspired by freedom triangle so each bottle of freedom triangle like i have one of the six fragrances this is called freedom and inside of it it has a self-help card and this self-help card this both the story in the back and oh, the story on the card yeah there's that freedom triangle oh. uh they're collecting cards they they're all unique so there's six different kinds and they all tie back to the freedom triangle so that being said people are introduced they have this experience you know associating a scent with the words that are on there which all stems from freedom triangle and that way i can take them down the funnel over time of learning how to find their freedom triangle and find that personal freedom and that inner peace now if that's not modern luxury i don't know what is because if we think about all the people that are you know successful you know by by predefined societal terms you know they have the money the fame and and look how you know they, they end their lives you know they're so unfulfilled they haven't found their freedom triangle so I, love that. Yeah. I think you've nailed that. I love it. Um, yeah. As you say, there are so many people out there with all the money in the world, but they haven't found true fulfillment. And um, I, I love the fact that it, that you, you have three things which which I completely um, can resonate with. You know, the, the health, the time, and your mind. Wow, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And 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 finally, Magda what are you most proud of uh, a service to the country um you know I, I think during a time of war when you know i know my country needed me and others most um you know i, I i'm not done living my life i have many chapters ahead and i'm building that out um i guess next would be uh uh codifying and putting freedom triangle out to the world but first and foremost service because that's the first example of being part of something greater than yourself and um it's definitely changed my life and i'm very grateful for that opportunity well magda thank you for the service to your country and to the service that you're still doing today it's been an absolute honor having you on my show today thank you hope you enjoyed the show remember there's a new interview out every monday so hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.